At MasterCard, we believe that women-owned small businesses are uniquely inspiring. They're pillars of the community and have a measurable impact on the people within them. It's their secret sauce. We are deeply committed to helping address the daily challenges of all Canadian small businesses by putting our technology, cybersecurity solutions, digital resources, and partnerships to work for you every day. Discover them today at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. MasterCard, start something priceless. At Scotiabank, we know how important thriving businesses are for the strength of our economy. Our team of experienced advisors across the country can provide you with tailored advice, leading products, and valuable resources to help achieve all your financial goals. We're here for every future. Let's get started today. Visit us at scotiabank.com slash smallbusiness. The last three years have been tough on Canadian entrepreneurs. That's why we are so excited to announce the 2023 Startup Canada Tour, a five-stop national opportunity to connect entrepreneurs across Canada. Join us for keynotes, panels, and practical workshops, an exhibitor zone featuring Canada's support organizations, speed mentoring in our Ask the Expert lounge, and an opportunity to compete in on-site pop-up pitches. We will be in Whitehorse on April 25th, Halifax on May 2nd, Vancouver on May 11th, Calgary on September 28th, and stay tuned for details on our final stop in Ontario. Want a free pass? Use code PODCAST at checkout. Learn more and get tickets now for the closest stop near you at startupcanadatour.ca. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday to hear new stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're excited to speak with Leslie Hampton, creative director of Leslie Hampton, an Indigenous-owned, size-inclusive clothing and accessory brand based in Toronto. Leslie is an Anishinaabe artist and fashion designer. Her designs focus on mental health awareness, body positivity, and authentic representation in fashion, film, and media. The Globe and Mail describes Leslie as an important Indigenous face in the Canadian fashion landscape, and Vogue has called her the number one Canadian designer to keep your eye on. Leslie, welcome to the show. Anine, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> um, just to get started, I'll ask you the the, 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 the the main first question we have, which is to remind entrepreneurs that we're here for them and trying to help them think about problems in their own business. What's the top piece of advice that you want fellow entrepreneurs to take away from today's conversation? Yeah, a big piece for me uh, on my entrepreneurship journey is definitely balancing um, your personal life with your business life. I always say that my business is not thriving unless I'm thriving. And that really is so impactful for me with the way that I balance my mental health and my physical health um, toward my business. Um, I 
was definitely someone who got caught up in the hustle and bustle of, of creating a name for myself and, and trying to do all the things um, that I really put my mental health on the back burner for a while. And it was only since I was able to balance all those aspects of my life uh, in, in a better way that I really found uh, more success in my business. And I, I really take a nod to to that balance to really push my brand forward. Wow, that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Can I ask, um, what was there some inciting moment or revelation that made you realize, hey, I'm doing this wrong? Um, it was more the sense of feeling burnt out. Um, I started my brand when I was 22, and at the time, I was still in fashion school. So right from the beginning, I was overloading myself, overloading my plate, um, trying to do all the things. And then that continued after graduation, saying yes to every project and opportunity that came my way. Um, and I was noticing after a while that the things that I enjoyed doing, the things that brought me so much joy within the fashion industry weren't bringing me joy anymore. And it was making me almost want to quit everything and, and try a new path. And I, I knew what I was doing was so important, but it wasn't enlightening like that spirit inside me. So I, I really wanted to take a step back. And that happened uh, around the same time that everything slowed down um, during the, the pandemic. So it was a weird break in disguise um, that allowed mm -hmm. me to refocus and, and really realign myself uh, with, with my personal journey and to allow myself to remember who I am. Um, beyond just the business. Right. Uh, early on in, in, in your comments just now, you mentioned that you were always saying yes to things. How do you say no? How did you find a way to say no? Because I think that's a, an important tool in, in every entrepreneur. Exactly. Um, I founded my brand on mental health awareness, body positivity, and authentic representation. And I use those pillars now more than ever to align myself with the jobs or, or the, the opportunities that come my way if they are not fulfilling those pillars of, of inspiration for me and those, those foundational pillars, then it, I, then I don't align with the project and it's not something that I know will bring me a fulfilling feeling. Um, so it's really relating every opportunity that comes my back, comes my way to to feeding my soul um, mm -hmm. personally, as well as allowing uh, the business to really empower others with uh, the projects that we take on. Right. So, so using your brand and, 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 and your values as a filter is great, but then how do you say no without? <laughs> um, it definitely comes with some practice. <laughs> I am definitely still in the practicing phase, um, but I, I think it's it's so important as a business leader and as uh, a leader of my own brand that is is making waves in the fashion industry to be able to say no and to be able to identify the people that perhaps don't align with our values and uh, say no to them or or change their way of thinking to better align with our values. Ah, perfect. Okay. Let's go back to the beginning. Where do you and fashion and design and entrepreneurship, where does that all come together? Mm-hmm. 
my love for fashion started uh, at a young age. I was watching fashion television um, on TV. Uh, other kids were maybe watching Saturday morning cartoons, and I was watching Jeannie Becker cover uh, the most Becker, glamorous yeah. runway shows. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was it was odd for me as well, because even though it was so beautiful to watch, uh, being a curvier Indigenous person, even at a young age, I really didn't see myself represented in that space. So it was always a dream of mine to be have a creative career in some way, but it didn't feel accessible to me watching at that age. Oh, I was always creative as a kid and, and through my adolescence, and it was only after my university uh, degree that I that my love for fashion almost overflowed and I really wanted to just try, try and see what happened. Um, so I, I started my brand, uh, like I said, at, at 22. Um, I had just started fashion school at George Brown College in Toronto. And I was taking what I was learning during the day in class and bringing it to my designs and my collections in the evening time. And I was lucky enough to be invited to Vancouver Fashion Week. Uh, and I brought that first collection to Vancouver, uh, presented it, and we were lucky enough to have that first collection featured in Vogue. And it kind of was a, a snowball effect from there. Wow. So it, was, so it goes back to your, your roots and your, and your values and the, the, the things that, in, that you loved as, as a child. So I think that's fabulous. That's, uh, I'm always impressed when entrepreneurs combine, you know, the things they most love with their work. Mm -hmm. Because then it's never really work. Exactly. Yeah. I made my favorite hobby into my career. And that's just, uh, it's an honor <laughs> to be able to do that. So I am uh, the opposite of a fashionista. Um, I lack even the vocabulary. Can you sort of describe your collection to me? What, 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 what does it look like? What's the feel? What are the values there? Mm -hmm. uh, so we have two main collections. Uh, we have our evening wear collection that I would describe as uh, elegant with some edge. So we use very beautiful, uh, very beautiful appliques and sequences and brocades. Um, and I really want to create evening wear that highlights the beauty of everyone's personality. Um, so they're, they're definitely statement wow pieces, pieces you would see on the red carpet. Um, and I really just want someone to feel empowered by the clothing they're putting on with that work. Um, and so that's, that's so exciting because we're able to dress, uh, all body types. Our evening wear is often made to order and we can also customize it to the client's needs and wants. Um, so it's, it's so great to be able to include the client in the design process and allow them to feel the most confident in what we're putting on. And then also we have our athleisure collection, which we launched launched um, just before COVID time. And that is more um, your, your traditional, I guess, uh, sweaters, leggings, crop tops, workout wear. Um, and I, I started that collection because I, uh, as a curvier individual, was walking into athletic wear stores and being told um, to try on sizes that were not my size just because it was a stretchy material and it might fit. Um, I really wanted to create a size inclusive athleisure collection that was made for the body types that I wanted to dress and not try to squeeze someone into a size that didn't make them feel comfortable. Wow. 
Uh, that's fascinating. And where can uh, Canadian entrepreneur consumers uh, look at or buy uh, your your lines? Yeah, so uh, you can buy both collections at lesliehampton.com. Um, and we also have stockists uh, at the Hudson's Bay uh, Permission, which is a store in Toronto, as well as Anin, um, which is a storefront in Stacked Market in Toronto. Cool. HBC across Canada or just Toronto? Uh, online. Online, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us about getting into HBC? I mean, what a place to be. Yes, it's was... An incredible journey because I uh, initially worked with them for a collaboration uh, for a advent calendar around Christmas time last year, um, and I was able to put my artistic practices to use, and we did the the wrap for this advent calendar. Um, and then from there, I was lucky enough uh, to be cast as one of their fall uh, twenty. Uh, one of their fall models for uh, their their advertising campaigns to really pu- push inclusivity and diversity uh, that message uh, to to their viewers, um, and then alongside doing that, uh, they they took on our work um, wow. in their stores. How do you how do you work with a giant company like that? What what, what kind of wonderful things and awful things have happened? So being an Indigenous individual, uh, there is certain levels of reconciliation that have to happen um, to allow uh, myself and my community to to feel comfortable working in, in that environment. Um, but I, I, there was definitely open communication on all fronts to uh, allow myself to feel comfortable um, and confident to bring uh, my messaging of body positivity to their audience. And uh, being a small entrepreneur as well, there uh, was a lot of guidance that, that I needed to, to bring my brand to that level. Um, so it was, it was a great, ex- great learning experience for sure to um, figure out the uh, department store style um, buying experience. But it sounds to me like what you're saying is that, you know, you, you had a good relation with them when, and that you were allowed to, to learn from each other and you were allowed to be yourself and and that's all exciting exactly yeah to have a reciprocal relationship with an entity that is so big um uh, like they are it's it was great that i i could then share share my authentic words and, and my authentic knowledge with them um just as they uh guided me and helped me on on that path as well and I think it's good for them. I mean, Hudson's Bay is like probably our oldest company, one of the oldest companies, you know, enduring companies in, in, in the world. And they like to play the heritage card from time to time. So it's really interesting that as we get into reconciliation, uh, that, that they're making an effort here. Exactly. I find that fascinating. That's great. Exactly. Yeah. They have um, different uh, initiatives in place and they shared uh, a lot of those with me uh, along my, uh, along my journey working with them um, to, to their path of reconciliation um, and what they can do in this uh, during these times. And um, it's, it was exciting to learn and also uh, use my voice to, to educate them in any way that I can. 
Right. Fabulous. Can you just sum up sort of the, the, the state of your business now, um, you know, in terms of, you know, are, are revenues growing? Um, how many employees do you have? Just, just give us some idea of the scale that you're at. Yeah, we're, we're definitely in a transition phase. Um, we are year two into uh, being profitable, which is incredible um, because it is a slow run for small businesses to, to break the, the break even point. Absolutely. Um, so, so yeah, we, we are definitely on, on the up and up there. Um, and internally, uh, we have had a few employees sh- just shift with their, their personal life. Um, so we, we are a small team of about three people at the moment. Um, but, uh, I am definitely looking to expand and the brand is, is having such incredible feedback so far that we are definitely expanding in the future. Right. And, uh, you know, the last three years have been basically uh, a, a mess uh, for so many businesses. How, how, how has your business been affected by COVID and what are you looking forward to now that things, you know, are, are pretty much opened up? Exactly. Yeah. Being an evening wear uh, brand first and yeah. foremost, it was difficult, difficult to figure out how we were going to shift. Um, first and foremost, uh, a lot of our work is made to order. Um, so having that one-on-one time with the client was almost impossible for a few years um, no one needed evening wear gowns for any reason during the, the pandemic times. Um, so our shift to uh, athleisure prior to the pandemic was, was really great to keep our head above water right. um, <clears throat> from a financial and, and just sustainable point of view. Um, but I did notice that there was an increased shift in um, my, my personal brand uh, for speaking engagements and modeling opportunities, um, and as well as like the influencer side as well. So to really diverse, <clears throat> diversify our brand to include, uh, not only the, the clothing brand itself, but also the personal brand to continue pushing, uh, the message forward of, of mental health awareness and body positivity, um, to really bring those attributes, uh, to the forefront in all the opportunities that come my way is, has been really exciting. That's really cool. Tell me about the first time you, you think you started making a dent in there. The fashion industry is slow to change, but has been changing. But it sounds like you've uh, helped to drag it a little bit forward yourself. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting at the beginning because every time we brought diversity to the runway, it ended up becoming a viral story um, in the media. So there was a time um, that we casted Adrian Haslett, who is a Boston Marathon bombing survivor. Um, we casted her in one of our shows and she became an amputee because of uh, the Boston bombings and to bring an amputee to the runway was, was so, um, I guess, nuanced for the fashion industry at that time, um, that it, it became this, this incredible story across Turtle Island um, to allow for greater diversity and inclusion within fashion and really show that all body types can be so incredibly beautiful on the runway Um, and also empower other people who have uh, maybe gone through uh, an experience that made them feel less included in fashion to really give, uh, give them that power back to, to have them feel included in the fashion industry. is just so incredible. And that's happened time and time again with, with certain um, pieces or celebrities that we've worked with. Uh, there was one time um, 
a, a year or two ago that Lizzo ended up wearing our work um, for one of her social media posts. And again, with her dedication to body positivity within the music space and within what she is doing to collab with her on, on this post and to have her wearing our work in that post was, was again, so incredible for our message to be pushed even further. Yeah. Can we just go back to uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the situation you said was so nuanced about uh, bringing an amputee onto the, on, on, onto the runway. Mm-hmm. Um, you described it as sort of nuanced, but I imagine it was a bit the tumultuous. I mean, it was probably controversial um, and, and yet so liberating in a new way. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think the strength that Adrian has to tell her story in such a positive way um, and, and the, the steps that she's made to, to really overcome um, and overcome the experiences that she's been through. Um, and like, she, she is an individual and she's so strong. She's an individual who has gone back to run the Boston Marathon after this incident. And she is one of the, the top para athletes who, who, run the the marathon now so it's just such an inspiring story in general um that to be able to reflect her story and her strength on the runway um is is just so incredible to allow other individuals to feel empowered by that amazing amazing how does it make you feel just that you've been actually um able to make a dent on this vast and uncaring industry. It is so empowering for me to know that I'm making a dent and I really couldn't have done this without uh, these incredible individuals and and organizations collaborating with me um, because I did start as a a very kind of one woman show almost. Um, So it's really the work um, and the collaborative work of all these other individuals who have allowed me to share the messaging that I want to with my brand um, and do so in a way that really gets other people talking about it and really gets the conversation started um, and continues um, within just better representation and seeing ourselves in these spaces. Right. We talked about your work with Hudson's Bay um, and it seems that collaboration has been a large part of your work. You've launched some pieces with other creatives, such as your Hapton Wabano jacket. You've partnered with Toronto Metropolitan University's Faculty of Communications and Design. Just wondering what you look for in partners and partnerships and what matters most to you when, when, when seeking out new collaborations. I definitely want collaborations to feel like a collaboration and not feel like uh, one person's the leader and one person's the follower. Um, I think by choosing the correct collaborative collaborating partner, um, we it's almost reciprocal in the way that we can both learn something from each other. Um, I, I definitely think that's been the case for all the collaborations that I've done to this point. Um, to allow it might not be so obvious in the way that uh, knowledge is being shared, but as long as we have maybe that personal journey together. Um, as well as the business journey together, I, I think that is, is is so incredible to to a collaboration. And um, it's uh, you, you mentioned the Hampton uh, Wabano jacket. 
um, collaborating with Scott Wabinow was so incredible because at the time um, we both really wanted to learn a particular aspect about each other, not only from a personal level, but from a business level. Um, so I was able to share my business knowledge um, around how to launch a, a product and, and to uh, get work out into the industry and, and uh, create a conversation around it. Um, and then from a personal level, Scott was able to teach me so much about uh, their Indigenous background um, and and things that I can learn um, about my Indigenous background uh, with um, them being someone who grew up on the reservation um, and grew up very much within the powwow circuit. I It was such an honor um, for me to collaborate and to allow uh, just that that space either within the st within the studio while we were working on the pieces or just allow that space so that we could learn and grow from one another. Wow. Wow. What other uh, partnerships or collaborations have you got on the go now? Anything coming up? Um, nothing in the the pipeline yet, but we are working. Um, we, we were invited with uh, by Indigenous Fashion Arts to... Uh, a show in Milan um, to work with a few other artists uh, for their showcase in white uh, for white Milano. Um, and that's not a traditional collaboration, but more a collaboration of uh, working towards a path of, of greater represent greater indigenous representation on the international stage. Wow. Um, it's really exciting that it's mind blowing to think of, a, of, of indigenous fashion in a high culture place like Milan, Italy. Uh, can, you, can you tell us about that project? Yeah, so it just happened um, at the beginning of March uh, and we were able to present a vast range of indigenous artists and designers, bead workers, um, as well as models and photographers um, all came over with the support of indigenous fashion arts to present our work in such a, a way um, and in such a platform that that really establishes ourselves as as on par with any other um, artist and designer uh, showcasing in Milan. Um, and it was just so great to give us space to show our work authentically, um, as well as to be able to present our work um, as a as a whole as indigenous designers um, to the international stage. What kind of, uh, what do you hope might come out of that? And I ask because I know that there are a lot of uh, countries in Europe where they have a tremendous interest in the native peoples of North America and, you know, the, the, the totally different um, cultures and designs that, that, that they, and lifestyles that they've traditionally had. And, you know, I mean, I, I guess this comes out of the Germans who have apparently, like, old west villages that they go to in germany so that may not be the representation we're looking for but the int i think the interest is there exactly it definitely is um it's so exciting to be able to connect with buyers um and other fashion lovers in milan um as well as being able to represent our work in the most authentic way possible like straight from us and and it's not it's not a stereotype or a, a generalization um, about what Indigenous people make and, and what our work is all about. We're able to tell that directly from ourselves to 
to, to the listeners. And, um, what's so exciting is, is that we can then continue that relationship, um, to better tell, uh, authentic stories and, and have them be picked up and resonate, uh, across, across the world. Yeah. Amazing. What, what, what a place to be, what a time to be alive. <laughs> Your brand is described as slow fashion. I'm wondering if you can explain what that means. Exactly. So a lot of our work is made to order. Uh, so that's work specifically made for the buyer um, with, with the intended buyer uh, in mind. So um, if you go to our website and purchase something, it's most likely being made exactly for you. Um, and that um, it's either made to order or it's small batch production. Um, and that is so that we can lower wasteful overproduction and just be a more sustainable brand in general. Um, as well as just better our practices around manufacturing um, so that we can always keep a sustainable aspect in mind when we are creating clothing. Wow. Very cool. Has, has that ever been sort of a problem in going for growth? I mean, does the, 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 the ready-made market, is, is that appreciative of slower production methods? Um, we, we definitely have to battle that uh, framework and mentality of, of next day shipping um, that other companies roll out so so quickly. Um, but the buyers that, that shop with us and the, the clients that shop with us believe in slow fashion and believe in, yes, amazing, amazing work and amazing uh, clothing, but they want it in a sustainable way. So they are willing to wait that extra bit of time um, so the work uh, can be made in a good way. Right. So we don't often get to talk to... Uh... You, you know, internationally known Vogue recognized fashion designers in the Startup Canada podcast. What's a typical day like for you? A typical day, it definitely varies based on what's happening. Um, my schedule is always packed with different events or different happenings. Um, but what I try to keep my normal schedule to be um, is usually an eight hour day in the studio um, from uh, seven or eight in the morning to uh, three or four in the afternoon. Um, and then it's uh, some time for me um, in early in the, the earlier evening time. Um, and then we're, we're running off to an event or we're continuing doing emails. Um, and so it's, it's always different day to day. Sometimes it's an earlier morning and we have to do press in the morning uh, for a morning show or, or something like that. But really, anyway, we can continue to, to get the work done um, while continuing to push our message forward. Right. I mean, it seems to me that the, 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 the sharp end of fashion has always been live events. Um, and just wondering how that's all come back. And is it any different than it was before COVID? I have noticed that it's definitely coming back slower. Um, people are being a little more methodical with what events they attend um, and and really where they're putting their time because I think uh, COVID did teach everyone that, that our, our me time is so important for ourselves. Um, so I, I definitely think uh, just attendees are more particular with what events they're going to. Um, but from the organization point or organizer point of view, I, I definitely think we are trying to reestablish th these incredible events that people will actually want to attend. Um, so I, 
I just recently got back from uh, New York Fashion Week where I was able to uh, watch Scott Wabino, who we mentioned before, uh, present his first collection um, on the runway. And there's there's a sense of excitement in the room that we are all able to gather and, and see and view what we love. Um, so I, it's it's definitely that, that excitement um, is definitely coming back uh, with full force. Cool. Um... COVID was a catalyst for a lot of changes in the way we think, the way we view the world, the way we interact with the world. Um, do you think it's changed fashion at all? For instance, the various revolutions and, and new awarenesses that you're trying to bring into the industry, I would think might be a, the, the industry might be a little more open now than it was. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Um, with all the changes that happened with COVID, um, not only from a personal standpoint, but from a societal standpoint, I definitely think people are more conscious with what they're buying um, and really more conscious with the brands that they're supporting. So it's great that we see this rise with BIPOC owned businesses um, to really allow people to have a greater diversity in where they're shopping and, and what brands they're supporting. Very cool. In an interview with University of Toronto, you described representation as a form of harm reduction. Just wondering how your designs, your models, and your mission for the brand, how do they all fulfill this goal of representation and harm reduction? Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely see representation as a form of harm reduction in the way that fashion has such a grasp on every individual in society. Um, we all put clothing on. We all interact with fashion in some way. It's the first choice we make at the beginning of each day. And I think if brands and fashion in general allow for that greater level of representation with the sizes they offer, with the, the models that they cast for their campaign imagery, and even... Uh, the individuals that they have on the deciding on on the executive level where for people who are making decisions within the brand, I think there's such an impact on uh, with those decisions on people's mental health and body image in the way that uh, is so much more intimate than any other industry. And I definitely think that if there is a greater attention to detail when it comes to representation and casting within the fashion and media landscape, then it has a direct relation to everyone's mental health. And it allows us to feel included and feel invited and feel empowered within fashion. And that allows us to come into our own power and allow us to take on the day being empowered by the fashion that we put on. Right. Um, let's cast our minds back to when you were that little girl watching fashion television. Um, could you have ever believed that you would have, you know, an impact like this? <laughs> it was always a dream to create something that would have an incredible impact on my community, um, as well as society. Um, and I, I definitely think that it's the community that I've surrounded myself with that have empowered me and empowered my brand um, and empowered the, the lovers of my brand to put 
the business at such a point where it can create these changes or lead these changes within the industry. Ah, what a, what a success story. So, so amazing. Leslie, what's next for the Leslie Hampton brand? You've been we in New York are definitely looking on what's coming up next. <laughs> we are definitely looking to expand our, um, our headquarters and our team within Toronto um, to, to really take our brand to the next level. I think uh, we have been so reactive in, in what's come to us over the last few years, uh, just as we've had to be with the, the global landscape and how much the business and, and the industry is changing for the better, um, that it's really time to grow ourselves as a business and really take on that next step um, of expansion. Can you be any less vague about what the next step is? <laughs> You'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good answer. Good answer. Okay. We've been talking with Leslie Hampton, the Leslie Hampton, uh, about her, her brand and her plans um, and the impact that she's making. Leslie, do you have any final words of wisdom or advice that you want to share with Canadian entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs? My favorite piece of advice that I'm going to leave everyone with is um, that you are the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. Um, it's my favorite quote that I always lean back on um, when, whenever I'm a little a little confused with my path forward, um, that it's, it's really the people you surround yourself with and your community that will put you on a good path um, to, to feel most empowered. Are you telling me I should hang out with better people? <laughs> no, just evaluate the people that you are hanging out with and make sure they align with your goals and dreams as well. That was so articulately done. <laughs> very well done. Uh, Leslie, very, very exciting to talk with you, to, 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 to share these ideas and to talk about the, the work that you're doing. It's inspiring for entrepreneurs and it's inspiring for anyone who wants to create a more just and inclusive world. So thank you for what you're doing and thank you for appearing in the podcast. Chi McGwitch, thank you so much for having me. It was, it was an honor to be here. Fabulous. We'll talk again. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles, and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence.